from the memories and the failures of the past. Searching for a life with meaning, looking for a love to last. In your heart you feel defeated. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. These are Jesus' words. These could be the words of a parent to a child. You, you over-possessive parents, let me talk to you for a second. It's expedient that you go away. It's expedient that you go away. You have children so that they will leave you, not so that they'll stay with you for the rest of your life. You have children so that they become independent. My one goal raising Troy was that he would be absolutely and totally independent of me and didn't need me, and I succeeded. I didn't want a kid that was hanging on my a belt and, 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 you know, had to talk to me every day. I wanted a kid who talked to me once in six months and he did it out of duty. Why? Because that was the best for him. Having kids wasn't about me. It was about the him. And so I hope when you raise your kids, you raise them to be independent, fundamental, Bible-believing, local church-supporting, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, is it, is, it expe is expedient for you that I go away? Now, how could it be good that Jesus would leave you? For if I go not away, the comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. Basically, what he's saying is the Holy Spirit's going to be everything I am and more. And when he has come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Man, that's big. Of sin because they believe not on me. Of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more. That's crucifixion, burial, and resurrection. Of judgment because the prince of this world is judged. I expected resistance when I began to prepare this sermon because the sermon centers around our nemesis. Our nemesis. We should rejoice today, this morning. We should even have a spell that the prince of this world is judged. You say, the prince of this world, Jesus. No, the God of this world and the prince of power of the air is Satan. The old devil, the old serpent, called 14 different names in the Bible. All of the wickedness and suffering and carnage and betrayal and all that goes with the horror of this world goes right back to Satan tempting Adam and Eve to depart from God and his instructions. Don't you point your finger at God and say, God could stop it all. Listen, you and I have been given freedom. Freedom. We've been made in the image of God. One of, the, one of the characteristics of the image of God is that we have freedom of choice. 
And with that freedom of choice came responsibility. With that responsibility came accountability. And you wouldn't have it any other way. And Adam and Eve, to have a real, honest, free choice ability, had to have choices. Satan came by and tempted him. And look what's happened. Look what's happened. Look at the trouble in the world. Just in one night alone, unbelievable. I thank God I can't comprehend it. it, it I'd go crazy. But he said the prince in the 16th chapter, this is before the Garden of Gethsemane. It's before the crucifixion. It's before the resurrection. He said the prince of this world is judged. Got me thinking a little bit. He is our nemesis. What is a nemesis? It is an, a, the dictionary definition. The inescapable agent of someone's downfall. That's what a nemesis is. We have a nemesis. Um, it can be defined as a long-standing rival, an arch enemy. You have an arch enemy. You have an enemy of your very existence, and that is the old devil, Satan. How long have you and I grappled with him? Jesus had beat the devil and had to beat the devil before he could pay for our sins. He had, before he had hit Calvary in the resurrection, he had to go through the devil. The devil met him in Matthew chapter 4 and says, I think I can beat this guy. I heard he's the son of God, but, and he kept saying, if thou be, if thou be, if thou be. He questions everything. You know that old bumper sticker I saw in the 60s that said, question authority. Well, it's come to fruition. The devil questions everything. There is no authority to the devil. He is the authority. He questions everything. He was the un, Jesus had to go through the devil, and he went through him. If you read Matthew 4 in that temptation, how he took Jesus and tempted him with the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, tempted him with the main three categories of sin. Jesus passed every one of them. Up, up, until, up until that point, he was an unbeaten enemy of all righteousness. From Adam and Eve to Jesus, no one had stood before him. He was like the Mike Tyson used to be. Nobody stood before Mike Tyson. You watch a Mike Tyson fight, one thing you'd be guaranteed of, it'd be short. I saw guys that tried to slug it out with Mike Tyson. I remember they'd go out there. These are some bad boy boys. I mean, these, are some, these are some heavyweight, hard-hitting boys that came up before Mike Tyson. He flattened every one of them. Before the first round was over almost, every fight over and over. Mike Tyson some of the hardest-hitting heavyweight I've ever witnessed. Satan was like a Mike Tyson. Nobody could stand before him until Jesus. Why, even the angels of God showed respect to the devil. If we read in Jude, next to the last book of the Bible, chapter 1, there's only one chapter, verse 9. It said, yet Michael, the archangel. Now, we don't know a lot about angels, but we know that Gabriel and Michael are real, real high-ranking angels. 
And we do know there are ranking, there are ranks among them. There's an authority structure among the princes and powers of the air. There are thrones and dominions and principalities and powers, the Bible says. And so there are ranking, there are ranks among them, and each has various responsibilities. I don't, I don't know more than that because I don't know any more than the Bible says about it. But I can tell you, Michael's big. It's, he's really up there. And it said, Michael, the archangel, when contending with the devil, he disputed about the body of Moses. When Moses died, evidently the devil wanted to do something with his body. He said, Michael, durst not bring against the devil, that is him, a railing accusation, but said, the Lord rebuke you. I've I've done some really stupid things in life, and everybody said, I've done some really stupid things. In my life, once in a while, I have challenged the devil directly. That wasn't smart. That was outside of my uh, wisdom, outside of my uh, common sense, and it was out of pride. And every time I did that, he whacked me. He whacked me good. Uh if, if Michael, which is sinless, uh, would not challenge the devil arrogantly, but said, the Lord rebuke you, I think it's probably wise for you and me not to go directly and challenge him either. Why so respectful? Why so fearful? Why? Because Satan's position warrants and warranted respect. Though Satan is a fallen creature, yet he seems to have been God's highest, most beautiful to look upon creation before he fell. Take your Bibles. We'll do a little Bible study here this morning. Isaiah chapter 14. We're going to go to Ezekiel 28. Isaiah 14. These are two major passages. I'll read just short, a short few verses for you to kind of give you a, a setting for what I want to say. Isaiah chapter 14, verses 12 through 17, uh, is believed by almost every theologian you can, you can read or write that this is referring to, a, to, to Satan, which is also, by the way, called Lucifer in this passage. It says, How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground which did weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend to heaven. Now you want to circle those personal pronouns, I. I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. Yet thou shalt be brought down to hell to the sides of the pit. They that see thee shall narrowly look upon thee and consider thee, saying, Is this the man that made the earth to tremble, that did shake the kingdoms? that made the world as a wilderness and destroyed the cities thereof, that opened not the house of his prisoners. One thing about reading that passage in Isaiah there, what was Satan's problem? Pride. Notice the personal pronouns. If you're with somebody a lot and all they talk about is themselves, what's, what do you think their problem is? Uh, this is to you young people. You young people, uh, if you want people to like you, which you can't ever force anybody to like you, but you sure can force them to dislike you. 
But if you want people to like you, don't talk about yourself all the time. Talk about them. Ask them, ask them about them. Ask questions about them. Ask questions. But don't be so concentrated on yourself. You know, there are people that you can, they'll come in a room and for two hours talk nothing about themselves, but, but about themselves. Now, don't raise your hand and no amens here because we're all going to get in trouble on this. There are people that I'll bet you avoid them. That you know that if you call them on the phone or if you get in the room with them, they're going to talk for an hour or two hours about nothing but themselves. Nobody should be caught up in themselves that much. Amen. Ezekiel chapter 28 and verse 12 through 19. Son of man, take up a lamentation upon the king of Tyrus and say unto him, Thus saith the Lord God, thou sealest up the sum, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. Um, there was actually a king of Tyrus, and there was a city of Tyrus, but this, this transcends above that. By, by what's in this text, it could not be talking about a simple human. Why? Well, verse 13, thou hast been in Eden, the garden of God. Well, we, that takes care of the king of Tyrus proper and puts it to a transcends to a higher being, which we believe to be Lucifer, Satan. Thou hast been in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was thy covering, the sardius, the topaz, the diamond, the beryl, the onyx, the jasper, the sapphire, the emerald, the carbuncle, and the gold. The workmanship of thy tabrets and of thy pipes was prepared in, the, in that day that thou was created. Uh, the devil has something to do with music. Thou art, thou art the anointed cherub. Cherub is a cherubim. Those are, this, those are that super high group of Michael and Gabriel and then Lucifer. Thou art the anointed cherub that covereth. I have set thee so. Thou wast upon the holy mountain of God. Thou hast walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire, which is in the very throne room of God. Thou wast perfect in thy ways from the day that thou wast created. I hate the next part. Till iniquity was found in thee. What is iniquity? Iniquity is self-will. Iniquity is doing it your way, not God's way. By the multitude of thy merchandise, they have filled the midst of thee with violence. You know, one of the, you know the last sin of all sins to be committed, the worst sin of all sins in the Bible is violence. You thought I was going to say maybe uh, sexual sin or homosexual sin or transvest. No, it's violence. The Bible says before the flood, violence filled the whole earth. I hope you don't rejoice in violence. Because the last sin, the very sin of Satan himself seems to be violence. And if you think about the Garden of Eden and the temptation and what he caused uh, for Adam and Eve was immediately violence. You know, God found them. They tried to clothe themselves in some leaves. That didn't work out. So what did God have to do to clothe them? Gave them skin of an animal. Well, animals don't give their skin up without violence. But the multitude of thy merchandise, they have filled the midst of thee with violence, and thou hast sinned. Therefore I will cast thee as, a prof as profane out of the mountain of God, and I will destroy the old covering cherub 
from the midst of the stones of fire. Thine heart was lifted up because of thy beauty. How many uh, despise the commercial that says, don't hate me because I'm beautiful? I just want to get nauseous about that. And this is the old devil. He was magnificent. There's no reason to believe he's still not. Thou hast corrupted thy wisdom by reason of thy brightness. I will cast thee to the ground. I will lay thee before kings that they may behold thee. Thou hast defiled thy sanctuaries by the multitude of thine iniquities. By the iniquity of thy traffic, therefore will I bring forth a fire from the midst of thee. It shall devour thee, and I will bring thee to ashes upon the earth in sight of all them that behold thee. All they that know thee uh, among the people shall be astonished at thee, and shall be, thou shalt be a terror, and never shalt thou be anymore. Jesus mentions himself the coming demise of this nemesis of ours a few times in John. John chapter 12, verse 31 says, Now is the judgment of this world. Now is the judgment of this world. Now shall the prince of this world be cast out. Everybody say Amen. In our text of judgment, because the prince of this world is judged. All before the crucifixion, all before Gethsemane, but after the wilderness temptation of Jesus. He further tells his disciples in the final ending of this enemy of all righteousness in Matthew chapter 25, verse 41, Then shall he say unto them, On the left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. Now, in Matthew chapter 25, verse 41, we learn something we don't know anywhere else in the Bible. Jesus said that the place we call the lake of fire, the final resting place of all those who turn away from Jesus, called hell, was originally prepared for the devil and his angels. And a little further down in that same chapter of Matthew 25, in verse 46, and he says, And these shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into life, ever, life eternal. He's comparing those who have rejected Christ and those who have received Christ. Those who have rejected Christ are going to go to an everlasting punishment. Those who have received Christ are going to go to life eternal. Both of those, by the language and the grammar, are equal. People want to say, well, hell's not forever. It doesn't last forever. God couldn't do that. But everywhere we look in the Bible, it says that they last forever. It's like this. From the passage here in verse 46 of chapter 25, if, if hell doesn't last forever, neither does eternal life. The devil has a specific place prepared for him and his followers. By the way, I'm going somewhere on this if you're mystified what I'm doing. It is very specifically made, this place, to fit the degree of sin and evil that the devil has done, and it is very specifically fit to meet the degree of evil that his followers have done, his angels, his messenger. The word angel, angelos, means to be a messenger of. By the way, it's without end. 
I don't care what the liberals want to tell you or what some uh, a theological graduate wants to tell you. You got eyes. You can read it yourself. Revelation chapter 20 and verse 10 says this. And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are. Because this is in the book of Revelation. The beast and false prophet have already come on the scene and already been taken off the scene. And this is the key, the last part of that uh, verse 20, chapter 20, verse 10. And they shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. In the Greek, it reads ages upon ages. Never will there be an end. There is no indication in the Bible. Let me, if there was, I would tell you. But there's no indication in the Bible that this place called hell that's specifically prepared for the devil and his angels ever has any end. That should scare you. How many here, when you got saved, were motivated to get saved because you didn't want to go to hell? Raise your hand. It's the leading cause for people to be saved. I mean, it says in Jude, you win some with compassion, no doubt. You preach grace and preach Christ, and some are saved that way. But the majority are going to be saved by the fact that they don't want to go to this place that's prepared for the devil and his angels. And by the way, neither do I. Listen to me. The whole world can go to hell, but I don't want to go. The whole world can deny God, but I'm not going to. The whole world can say the Bible's not true, but I'm going with the Bible. They're not doing too well. This place prepared for the devil and his angels is without end. It is without relief. They're tormented day and night forever and ever. It is without pleasure, needless to say. It is a place of torment. The word torment, interesting word, means to toss. Now, I don't know if you've ever had some of these experiences, but I'm going to run it. I went through two years of sleeplessness. Two years of sleeplessness. My son told me the other day he's been having a little trouble sleeping. I hope you don't have to go through what I went through. God took sleep away from me, for the most part, took sleep away from me for about two years. Thank God it wasn't more than two years. But I, How many here have had sleeplessness as a problem? Raise your hand. That's the ones that sleep during my sermons? Oh, Lytel can cure you. But I mean, you people that don't sleep well, you do have trouble in, in meetings like this. Because you don't sleep well, you're really tired. And so when you settle down for a sermon and you get a little warm and comfortable, everything's right, your eyes just go boom, your mind quits, and you're sitting there looking at me with these... Let me tell you, your body's aching and begging for rest. Your mind is tired. You want to sleep. You know you have to sleep. Or you know if you don't sleep, you go crazy. They know that. But you lay down, and your mind starts going. Start thinking about that, thinking about this. Well, I'm not going to think about that. Well, then you think about that. Well, I'm not going to think about that. Then you think about that. And the more you don't want to think about it, the more you think about it. The more you go. 
you get up, you drink some hot water, cold water, warm water, tea, anything, try any, you do anything. You call Dr. Crab 2 in the morning and say, Doc, can you help me? He said, yeah, don't call me. So I call Pastor Crab. Pastor, he won't answer his phone. You know, you just wander around the house and you say, man, everybody's sleeping. I'm supposed to sleep. I got to sleep because I got a whole day of work tomorrow. So you get over to work, you're tired about half time. Let me tell you, restlessness is torture. It's torture. It's a deep torture. And brother, the description, it's interesting, the word torment means to be eternally without peace and restless, to toss back and forth. They call it surfing the sheets. You're just back and forth and back and forth. Imagine, and you've been in pain. I've had gout where I've had so bad or a migraine where I've just tossed back and forth, back and forth. You can't have peace. Wow, wow, that's bad. No peace. In your mind, no peace in your body, no peace in your spirit, no peace ever. The old devil who took peace from this world will never see it again. He who sat back and glorified in his victories over and over again will never be able to sit still again because of his torments. The old, the old serpent who ravished nations and worlds will be helpless even to save himself. The old wicked one who wielded such power will now be powerless to change his condition. He will be finally and once for all in his place. The prince of this world is judged. And in his place. Brother, that'll be a glorious day for the people that love God. He will take all, but here's the, here's the saddest part about this whole, and this is the application of this, what I've, what I've spoken about so far this morning is, he will take all those who follow him with him. Mm. I flew, I've flown with a couple pilots that tried to kill me. I flew with a guy from, uh, I won't, better not mention any names, but I flew with a single-engine pilot to Haiti one time, and he overloaded the plane. And when we got over the mountains of Haiti, it was porpoising. That's when the gas, the fuel comes out of the wings, uh, and the rear end of the plane gets heavier than the front of the plane, which you never want to happen in flying. The plane begins to do this. And as this plane, we're going over the mountains of Haiti, and this plane's doing this. They call it porpoising. And I, I was over to the guy and I said, something's wrong. What's going on? He says, well, if it wasn't that I had automatic pilot, we would crash and all die. I said, well, I hope the automatic pilot don't quit. I said, why'd you load the plane so much in the back? Well, I'm just trying to get a little bit more on so I can come down here and help somebody. I said, you got, we're all going to die. He said, well, I can't land this way. He said, when I land, we're going to have to go 200 and some mile an hour full throttle. And I'm going to have to fly the thing down on the airport 
and I want you to lean up on the window. There was a little space in the window, so one person laid in that space, another person laid on him, and I laid on all of them, trying to get the weight to the front of the plane. It's a three-wheel plane, a wheel in the front, a wheel back, two wheels back here, but no wheel on the tail. So here we go. We're lying a 200-some-mile-an-hour come into that landing, and we land, doom, 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 doom. I'm so happy. I sat back in my seat. The plane goes, Poof. That boy, I never flew with him. I said, I'll never fly with you again. Never, never, never. Flew with another guy. Ten, we had ten people in the plane. Ten. Missionaries, all of them. <clears throat> Flying from Haiti. We get, over the, we get over the Bahama area, and he says, uh, all my instruments have just quit working. The old devil's triangle. All our instruments quit working. He says, we got 30 minutes of fuel, and I got to land. I said, 30 minutes of fuel. That's the shortest 30 minutes I ever knew. And I said, what are you doing? He says, well, it's a little bit heavier than I thought. And this is a new plane to me, and I'm not used to these engines, and they're eating more fuel than I thought they were going to eat. I said, what are you doing loading us up on the plane? I told you. I said, you're going to take us with you because of your stupidity. So we did what we call dead reckoning, and the word emphasis on the word dead. We saw some clouds, and he said, I think that's land. He flew over there, and it was Nassau. And without permission, without a flight plan, we landed at Nassau. And when we landed, four guys with machine guns come up to our plane, ordered us out of the plane, and, and searched us and took all of our luggage out and searched everything, thinking it was a drug deal going down. I said, I am not flying with you again. Now, why did I tell you those two stories? Because if you follow the devil, he'll pilot you right to hell. You get on board with the devil, he's going to take you to hell. The Bible says that there was a place made for him of everlasting torment. But not just for him, but for him and his angels, his messengers, those who follow him. You say, well, Brother Bill, I got nothing to do with the devil. Oh, really? John chapter 8, verse 44, Jesus' own words. Talking to the highest qualified religious leaders of his day, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, those who, who, who excel in good works and righteousnesses. He said, ye are of your father, the devil, and the lusts of your father you'll do. He was a, he's a, he's a murderer from the beginning. He's a liar from the beginning. He's both not in the truth. When he speaketh the lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and a father of it. What Jesus said was astounding. He said, basically, even from, a, a, from birth, we've got the genetics of our father. Who is our father? You're of your father, the devil. In other words, you're going to have to go where your father goes. Your father is the devil. The devil's going to a place called hell, a place called ever, uh, the lake of fire, a place of eternal torment. The fact that you're related to him, the fact that you do what he does, you think the way he thinks, you have the same kinds of values that he has, which you know what those are, Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. 
you will never be able to go to a place called the kingdom of heaven. You'll never be able to go with God because if you went there, you'd ruin it. You'd spoil it. You've got to have something happen to you before you're going to be allowed to be in God's presence. What is that? Jesus said, you've got to be born again. If you're born once, you're going to die twice. If you're born twice, you only have to die once. How many here this morning, don't hold your hand up, how, how many can say in your mind, I've been born twice? Now, if you're sitting there wondering what I'm talking about, you've only been born once. See, if I tell you you've been born twice, you say, yes, preacher, I was born twice. And maybe you can even think of a date. You know, September 1st, 1953, I repented of my sins and trusted Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. Uh, and I was born in the family of God. And the Spirit of God has made testimony with my spirit that I'm part of the family of God. The Bible also witnesses to me that I'm part of the family of God. I, have, I am trusting only and always on the Lord Jesus Christ to save me. Then you have been born twice. You were born first as a human, and your father was the devil. But when you got born again, John chapter 3, you got born and got a new father, Jesus Christ, who died for you and paid for your sins. That's why we've, we're, the Bible talks about us being adopted. And if you die twice and you get to spend your eternity with Jesus Christ, why? Because your sins were taken care of on Calvary. And it was sealed at the resurrection to be true. And you don't have to follow your father, the devil, to his place, which is a place called hell, a place of torment and fire. And brother and sister in Christ, I've spent most of my adult life telling people not to go to hell. From 18 years old to today, I've spent most of my time trying to tell people, don't go to hell. Please don't go to hell. Please don't go to hell. Please don't go. Whatever happens, don't miss Jesus. Whatever happens, I don't care if you've seen preachers fail, deacons fail, church members fail. I don't care how many people you've seen fail. Jesus never failed. I determined a long time ago, I'm not following a bunch of those failures. I'm going to follow Jesus Christ, the one who succeeded. Yes, I've seen preachers fail. Yes, I've seen saints fail. Yes, I've seen people disappoint me in every way. You can be disappointed almost. But brother... I'm not going to let that discourage me one iota because the Lord Jesus Christ never disappointed me. He never failed me. I'm going to follow him. And if you look at me long enough, you'll see I've got warts. I know it's hard to believe, but I have faults. But I mean, but you know what? They're under the blood. Under the blood. What can take a, wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. All precious is that flow. That makes me white as snow. No other fount I know. Nothing 
but the blood of Jesus. Now, listen, if you have any doubt about this, let's get this settled today. Let's don't go tomorrow. You say, why? You don't have tomorrow. That's why. You only have today. You only have now. Why don't you trust Jesus as your Savior? I thought about those 59 people that go to a music concert and they didn't realize that would be their last day. By the way, when they got shot, wasn't a time to get saved. That wasn't a time. You get saved before that. You get saved now because when you get in an automobile accident, and you're, you hear the, you hear, you smell the smell of, you're trapped in that car, and you smell the smell of fuel or gas, and you hear the sparking of that shorted out battery. That ain't going to be the, t- you're not going to be in your right mind. That's not going to be the time you're going to be able to understand. Now, what did that preacher say? How, how can I get saved? Now's the time for salvation. Today is the day of salvation, the Bible says. Now, the Bible says, is accepted time. You need to ask Jesus to be your Savior and Lord and to change fathers from the devil to Jesus Christ. Because I can guarantee you this, biblically, I guarantee you this, everybody who follows the devil is going to go where he goes. And you don't want to go there. Father, help us this morning. They will understand the truth of the Bible. May our nemesis not win. May we by faith humble ourselves, repent of our sins, and trust Jesus Christ, our personal Savior. And those that are living, those that are saved and have, have, have fallen back into their, themselves and their own iniquities, may they turn, Father, and repent. The Bible says the righteous fall seven times and riseth up again. May they rise up again. May they, may they, uh, the Bible says this way for Christians, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins, cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Father, we pray that we would live soberly, justly, godly in this present age. Help us to be the lights you've asked us to be. Help us to point people to heaven and away from hell. Lord Jesus, you're working even now. Explain it, blessed Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you and God bless.